Hello and welcome to the Intricacies of History. My name is Casey and today I want to talk about a rather unconventional historical subject, the foreskin of Jesus Christ. So some of you may be wondering why on earth I would go out of my way to research script and then record a a podcast about the literal foreskin of Jesus. Um, And the truth is, it's because everyone in my life is already sick of hearing me talk about it. It's been one day since I, I gained all of this knowledge, and I just can't help but to share it. I've, I've shared my knowledge about Jesus' foreskin with my friends, the friends of my friends. I shared it with my English class. And so my only recourse is, is to now try and share it with the entire internet. So for listeners to truly understand the story of Jesus' holy foreskin, we have to, of course, start at the beginning, Jesus' circumcision. Now, as a Jew, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day of his life. The circumcision of Jesus is actually a holiday in and of itself. It's called the Feast of the Circumcision of Christ. And coincidentally, the Feast of the Circumcision of Christ actually falls on January 1st, the new year. There's actually a lot of speculation that these calendar dates align on purpose. The idea is that the Catholic Church orchestrated the calendar for Jesus' birth to align with the new year in order to overshadow pagan celebrations around the new year, because the pagans had had a lot of festivals and and sort of magical traditions around the new year. Uh, But no one really knows when Jesus was actually born. We can't really say when he was circumcised as a result, but... Putting aside petty calendar disputes, for the purposes of this video, we will just say that the Times Square Ball isn't the only thing that got dropped on January 1st, and January 1st is the date of Jesus' alleged circumcision. Now, why is all of this relevant? The answer is simple. According to Christian religion, Jesus Christ ascended to heaven 40 days after his resurrection. His body left the earth except for one part, one specific body part, which he had parted with long before, eight days after his birth, his foreskin. Jesus' foreskin was left behind. Now, it's important to understand that it's only in the past couple of hundred years that people in in European society and American society have stopped believing in magic or the supernatural and divine. Today, many religious people don't even believe in the possibility of miracles and performing exorcisms is sort of this taboo that's not really talked about, despite the fact that demonic possession and miracle working are a pretty big part of the New Testament. For instance, in in modern America, if somebody told everyone they knew that an angel had visited them the night before, and told them to cover all of the doors in the town with pig's blood to prevent a plague, that person would be institutionalized. But in medieval times, people probably would have just gone with it, you know, just in case, prevent the plague, just another Monday. Uh, Most Catholic peasants in medieval times couldn't even read the Bible. They just sort of subscribed to Catholicism and at the same time kept a lot of pagan beliefs. Say a peasant, we'll, we'll call him Ken, 
Say a peasant named Ken loses his favorite jug, like the jug his father gave him, or his lucky jug or something, I don't know. As a medieval peasant in Europe, Ken would go and pray to St. Anthony, the patron saint of lost things. And he might even make a donation to his local parish to show God he was really devoted to his faith, but also devoted to finding this jug. Then, at the same time, Ken would go to the nearest witch, and he would pay her too, and Ken would be like, Witch, where's my jug? And she might tell him what he has to do to find it, or give him like a magic potion or something, right? So to medieval peasants, the divinity of Christ was like another form of magic. And the same goes for magical items. Jesus' foreskin, as, as an item, a relic attached to Jesus, held a certain a power, a holiness, right? Uh, it was said to hold miracle-working power, but it was also a symbol of Jesus's humanity. He wasn't just this, this otherworldly figure. He was real. He was tangible. He left his foreskin behind. So, obviously, with people still believing in magic and the power of certain objects, like relics and etc., as, as time goes on after Jesus's death, items connected to him slowly but surely emerge. People find lots of things that are allegedly connected to Jesus. Uh, most people are definitely dubious about their origins. Things like Christ's crown of thorns, the holy cross, the tombstone that he was laid upon. Those all emerged years and years after his death and are quite valuable. Other relics are sort of more absurd. For instance, a couple of hairs that were ripped out of Jesus' beard while he was alive. The knife that he allegedly used at the Last Supper and the holy sponge, which he drank from on the cross when he got thirsty. Uh, basically, anything connected to Jesus in any way became a relic and was highly sought after because it allegedly had miraculous power or was, was something that tied the Savior to earth. But the relic that we're focusing on today, however, is the holy prepuce, which is an, another word for foreskin. Lots and lots of, of holy foreskins actually popped up in medieval Europe. Like 20 different places claimed that they had the holy foreskin of Jesus Christ. But the first documented holy prepuce pops up in the year 800, right? In the year 800, Charlemagne, the Charlemagne, king of the Franks, actually gifts Jesus' foreskin to Pope Leo III. Like, Pope Leo III coronated Charlemagne as the first emperor ever of the Holy Roman Empire, and in return for his services, Charlemagne was like, here, have this foreskin, it belongs to Jesus. Charlemagne claims that he had a holy experience in which an angel appeared to him and gave him the foreskin, but there are a lot of other conflicting reports on how he came to possess it, each one more dubious than the next. Um, but placing our doubts aside, in the year 800, the Vatican comes to possess the holy foreskin. Now, keep in mind when I say possess the foreskin, it is in a cute little box, so it isn't all like gross and nasty and decomposing and shriveled up, but it is still a, a foreskin. Now, when Pope Leo III gained possession of the holy foreskin, he placed it in a special box in the Sancta Sanctorum, meaning the place of holy things which was at the time the private chapel of the Pope. This box was kept under the altar, and along with the holy foreskin, this box housed, and I'm not joking about this, it housed another Catholic relic, the holy umbilical cord, which is just another episode in and of itself. 
but obviously there was some doubt about the legitimacy of this foreskin, right? It was, it was in fact a foreskin. That much was clear. But everyone wanted to know, was it really Jesus's? This doubt was compounded by the other foreskins that were, were purported to be Christly all across Europe. But thankfully, in the 1300s, St. Bridget had a vision which clarified the whole thing. To go off on a slight tangent here, we are talking about St. Bridget of Sweden, not to be confused with St. Bridget of Kildare. St. Bridget of Kildare is an Irish saint who is the patron of children with abusive fathers and performed the miracle of turning water into beer, rather apt for Ireland. The, the Swedish St. Bridget, who we're talking about, is the patron of widows and was a mystic. She had lots of visions. Now, one of her mystic visions involved her receiving little bits of, of Jesus's foreskin, specifically on her tongue. This is what she envisioned. She said that an angel fed it to her piece by piece. And by the way, she also said that it, it was sweet, like really sweet, like sweeter than anything she'd ever tasted before, divine. So obviously this vision to her meant that the foreskin was in Rome, and therefore the one that the Vatican had was, was legitimate. Uh, and that was, in, that was in the year 1300. St. Bridget was, was later, of course, given sainthood by the papacy. But finally, Bridget isn't the only saint to have had visions about Jesus's foreskin. This seems to be some sort of strange trend. A, uh, a contradictory vision that a saint had was from St. Catherine. Now, St. Catherine of Siena was a little different from Bridget. She actually believed that she was involved in a holy marriage with Jesus. She recounts in letters a vision that she had where an angel gave her Jesus's foreskin in the form of a ring that she wanted to wear to symbolize her devotion to him. And I couldn't, I couldn't find much evidence on whether she actually believed that she possessed the foreskin, but my assumption is that she did because she claimed in some of her letters that her wedding ring to Christ was invisible, which is why no one could see it except for her and the angel. But moving on from that little tangent, the, the highly venerated foreskin of Jesus remained in the Vatican from the year 800 to the year 1527, when the sack of Rome occurred. Those of you familiar with Holy Roman history will know that this sacking occurred because the troops of Holy Roman Emperor Charles V got mad that they hadn't been paid uh, and when I say mad, I mean mad as in they destroyed basically all of Rome. So during this absolutely nefarious sacking, the holy foreskin was sadly lost to us. But since I know you're all so disappointed to hear that the foreskin went AWOL, you will be happy to know that it was relocated. They found it once again. The story goes that the holy prepuce, the holy foreskin, was stolen by a German soldier who was eventually captured for participating in the sack of Rome in the little Italian village of Calcutta. Now, he's said to have hid the foreskin in his cell there, where it allegedly remained for 30 years until it was rediscovered in 1557, 30 years after Rome was sacked in 1527. Now, the Catholic Church, upon hearing this story, was apparently like, hey, this seems totally true to me. Thank God somebody found the foreskin. And so they venerated the village of Calcutta by offering any Catholic who ventures there 
to see the holy foreskin, 10 years of indulgence. Which, for all of you non-Catholic listeners out there, basically means 10 years less sitting in purgatory, the waiting room for heaven. So the Catholic Church says anyone who goes on a voyage to see the foreskin, 10 years of indulgence for you. It then became a popular site for pilgrimage, and a lot of people made the journey to see Jesus' foreskin. But, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. A conflict rose between the town of Calcutta and another location which claimed to have the true holy foreskin. A parish in France claimed to have it and caused a big fuss. And in the 17th century, a couple theologians, 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 pick your poison, they actually believed that the foreskin had ascended with Christ. They said, forget about this whole who actually possesses the holy foreskin. No one can possess the holy foreskin. The foreskin ascended with Christ, and when it did, it formed the rings of Saturn. Which is, I think, an interesting take on how the rings of Saturn formed. But there was a lot of debate, in summary, about the foreskin of Christ. This debate lasted for a couple of hundred years, and by the year 1900, the church had quite frankly began to grow a little bit embarrassed over all of the discussion around Jesus' holy foreskin. So, in 1900, the Vatican declared that anyone who spoke about or wrote about the Holy Foreskin would be excommunicated. Funnily, they still allowed Calcutta to hold their yearly procession with the Foreskin, uh, during which the Calcuttan priest would parade through the town, holding the Foreskin high above his head for all to see. They would do this every year on New Year's Day, which, again, is the day Jesus was alleged to have been circumcised. But this is the part where it gets a little, a little mysterious, okay? This is the part where we come to the truly scandalous part of the story. In 1983, right before the new year, the priest in Calcutta goes to check on the holy foreskin before the procession, and he finds that it isn't there. In the most diabolical lick of all time, Someone stole Jesus' foreskin. Jesus Christ's now, foreskin. There are a couple popular theories Gone. about what happened the wind here. Some people say the locals took it for themselves. Some people believe that it was stolen by treasure hunters and sold in secret, given its incredible value. Because this thing, don't get confused, is actually really expensive, despite how little we know about whether or not it's actually Jesus' real foreskin. But personally... I believe the most popular theory. It was the Vatican. The Vatican took it back. I and a lot of other people believe the church just genuinely got so tired of being clowned on about this foreskin that they sent someone to Calcutta to take it back in sort of a national treasure heist moment, right? Like they sent the equivalent of Nick Cage. They sent Nick Cage in priest form. But regardless of who has it, one thing remains true. The foreskin of Jesus Christ remains missing to this day. It still eludes us. And if anyone knows its true location, I bet you can make a lot of money, a lot of money off of that.